So we've been talking about the battle and the clash of the kingdoms, the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. And we've been very clear, um, truth is truth. Whether you're on one side of it or the other, it's still truth. And so our job, as scripture tells us, is to shine a light in the darkness, to unveil darkness wherever we may find it, in the, and release the kingdom over this world. So I, I'm going to estimate here 90% of all the national and international problems. Can you guys spin that around for me? The national and international problems that we see in the world today are either a result of government or they're a result of religion. That, that if you boil it all down, thank you, gentlemen, if you boil it all down, it's either government's fault or religious thinking's fault. And so what happens is, is that we get into the thought that this world is broken and we often associate ourselves with those things, but what we're associating with is that there's a government that caused it or there's a religious spirit or a religious thought process that causes that problem in the world. So what are those things like global hunger, like trafficking, like epidemics and wars and terrorism, racial and ethnic divides, all those things in this world are caused by either religious problems or governmental problems. They're not caused by God. They're caused by these problems and the falter, faltering of earth. So throughout history, man's greatest desire is that they would be able to control some of that stuff. And every time that man tries to control the brokenness of the world, it gets more broke. Yeah? Have you seen it? Have you looked throughout the annals of history and realized that every time man tries to grab control of something in his flesh, that it becomes worse? And so we don't see a solution to a trafficking problem. We see an acceleration to a trafficking problem because now we just expose the darkness and we've partnered with it because we don't have the answer of the kingdom of heaven. But there is a need for government. There is a need for government. But there is a government that God put in place before the foundation of the world. Yeah, there is. It, it was before anything was created. Before the world was created, before any of that happened. It was already in place. And it was the kingdom of heaven. And he said, I am in control. And he hovered over the, the face of the deep. He hovered over the nothingness of everything. And he spoke into darkness and created something. That is the first demonstration of the power of the kingdom of God that we can read in scripture. It comes in the first chapter of Genesis and it says that he hovered over the waters and you realize that God had a dream of what humanity would be on the earth. He didn't think that we were just going to, he's going to plop some people on the earth and they were just going to go have at it because he knew the brokenness that would come because it says that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. He had the solution to our brokenness before the world was created. And so he created mankind to bring this culture of heaven to earth. He brought this human creation, placed it upon the earth, created it out of the dust of the ground, breathed into it life, and said, your job is to rule. So turn with me to Genesis 1.26. You know all this. We've gone over it before. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let them rule or quote unquote, have dominion. The word there is, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say it right the first time. Mamlaka, mamlaka, that's it. It means a sovereign rule 
or government. So mankind for centuries has been trying to create government to control the situations in their life when in the first chapter of this book, we see that government was already created. So everything that man has created since then, including republics, including democracy, are all failed governments because it's not reflecting the government that was placed in heaven, that was given to us to place on earth. So when, when the world was created and everything was good, and Adam is walking the face of the earth with God, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden with God before they sinned, they were walking in the government that should be upon our land today. And then they lost something. They sinned. And throughout this sin, they didn't just lose a religion. They didn't just lose a relationship. They lost a government. You see, the Holy Spirit was with them on the earth. And when they sinned, the Holy Spirit couldn't be with them anymore, so he had to leave. So the governor of the kingdom of heaven left. The authority that was here that was empowering them to rule the earth had to go. And they began the slow descent, and even sometimes fast descent, into creating things on themselves because government is not a bad idea. Certain forms of government are bad, bad ideas, but government itself is not a bad idea. It's a God idea because he put it in place before the foundation of the world. This need for a government is specific to human beings. We don't see this in animals. We don't see this in any other species. We see it in human beings. Why? Because human beings are built to be in relationship. And where two or more are gathered, there's politics. <laughs> right? Where there's different viewpoints. And so man has created government to control the thought process of people. Instead of the kingdom government, which was to release people, to to trust people to do what they need to do instead of keeping them under their thumb. You see, man was created to be the governor or the ruler of the kingdom, Mamlaka. That, that there's this dominion, there's this, this thing that we are here to rule and have dominion and have kingdom government over the earth. Now, I, we've talked about a lot of different things over the last few weeks, and, and I'm going to recap a little bit of it, but I want you to understand that everything that we've talked about has been man-made. It's been man's desire to control another person to think like they think. Or it's been man's desire to try to keep harmony and peace and let people have a vote. But ultimately, it's missing the mark of what we were created beings and sent here for, and that is to bring his kingdom to earth. This formal governmental structure that we all so much desire because we want peace and harmony, the blueprint was given to us. And yet we still, as human beings, want to go further to find it. This first prototype of government, Genesis 1, verses 2 and 3. Now the earth was formless. It, there was no order. It was all chaos. The earth was in chaos. It was empty. It was dark. And it was covering all over everything. And the Spirit of God was hovering. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. The first inkling of the kingdom upon this world was released even before the creation of man which he knew would need a government light replacing darkness is an evidence of the kingdom the church it says in scripture that you don't hide a lamp under a bushel that this light may transform 
everywhere around. Where it's darkest, that light would come. And so I've heard many people over, over the years that I've been alive, I've heard many people talking about the church has lost its voice in the community. The church has lost so many things. If the church would have only risen uh, to, to its glory back in the day, that we wouldn't have Roe versus Wade. We wouldn't have all this stuff. Well, it's not about them rising up in the government. It's about them bringing the kingdom here so that the things of this earth have to change because there's a kingdom that's functioning. And it's not a religious action. It's a governmental action. We talked about the ecclesia, the called out group of people. That's the church, translated the church. You're a called out governmental agent that is supposed to bring the kingdom of heaven here to see transformation here. When the kingdom of heaven comes, things change. I want you to think about the scripture. In fact, uh, let's just turn there. Acts 3, verses 1 through 11. Let's, let's look at this clash of kingdoms and what happens. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is beautiful called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John Peter said look at us so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them he was expecting the world that you see every single day is expecting for something to change. They may be looking at the bottom of a bottle. They may be looking in a syringe. They may be looking at a television screen. They may be looking somewhere, but they're expecting something to change. And so they medicate every single day to try to see that change happen in their life. This man, hopeless, sitting at the gate, expecting change when he asks them for something. Now let's see what it says. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand, right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones were received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, weeping and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. People are expecting something to happen. People are looking about this world to pick something. They're going to go vote for something that they think will change what their life looks like. They will get involved in a human government because they, they think that this is going to make their life better, but I'm here to tell you, church, that it's not about a human government, it's about the kingdom. And if we attach ourselves to the kingdom, the world will change. Things will happen. We won't be caught up in the ebbs and flows of things. We will be transformed. Now, I want to give you some, some history. Some of it's going to be, if, if you're not a history like buff, then bear with me. Stay awake because I will bring it to a conclusion. But I think we have to understand that every form of government has elevated a person. Every form of government has elevated a person. Christianity is a religious system that elevates Jesus Christ. And every other government elevates someone. The kingdom of God elevates God as the creator. And all the governments of this world elevate a person. And that is their Messiah. Now, history would tell you, the history books that have been rewritten over all the years, would tell you that 
some governments are not really religions, but I'm here to tell you that they are. That socialism is a religion. Communism is a religion. And you know why? Because they have a belief in God. Christians believe that God is the creator of the universe, that he died on the cross, that he saved us from our sins, that he rose again and he's coming back. And we're here as agents of change upon the earth. Well, communists believe that Karl Marx is their Messiah. And that what he says is transformational. And they also believe in God. They believe that he doesn't exist, which is a belief. If, if like, I know public doesn't want you to think that. But if you believe that God doesn't exist, you actually believe in him. You're closer to a believer than you even thought. Because <laughs> you actually believe he exists. But this mandate that comes to us from the kingdom of heaven is focused on us being empowered on the earth to bring change. And I think so often we got caught up all throughout the annals of history. We've gotten caught up in looking to a natural government and natural kings. We see it all throughout scripture in the Old Testament. They looked for a king. For 400 years, Israel had it right. They didn't have a king. They were just functioning as God called them to. There was a covenant between themselves and with God. So I want to do a quick review of last week. I didn't get into this part, but I want to review quickly that there was this beginning 400 years where there was a transformation of Israel. They come out of Egypt and they're, they're thinking that we are out from under oppression. We're making this covenant between God and man and between man and man. And there's this triangle. So I want to illustrate it this morning. I'll push this back. Tell me if I'm going to hit something, Terrence. I'm good. So you guys might be able to see over here. So there's a triangle that comes in this conversation. And I want to relate it to everybody in the room this morning. And that is that there is you. There's your spouse. And there's God. Now, the closer that you get to God, the closer that your spouse gets to God, the closer you are together. And what happens is, is that as you focus on there being a creator and someone who has the final say in your life, then these two people, as much as they know about themselves, can't change the rules. And so what happened was, it was Israel... With Israel going after God, person and person in a nation seeking God, and they were drawn close together until one day when they said, you know what, we want to be like every other nation. We want a king. We want someone to rule over us and tell us what's right and what's wrong. And that began their failure. There are marriages that say, we want to decide what's right and wrong. And instead of being a triangle, it's just straight across there's only two people that have a say in this thing and we make the rules and we're going to change the rules if we want them. The problem is, is that when there's this line like this, you've got you and you've got your spouse according to what the scriptures say about man needing a government. Man needs a government to function. According to that, then that means that instead of being this way, like this, it's going to have to be one over the other. Because there has to be a governmental structure. And so we see 55% of marriages are probably higher now and in divorce because they forget that there is a creator 
that is greater than their understanding. And so there will always be a hierarchy, so we better have God up there first. So we talked last week about there being differences. So Israel was, they had God as their, their lead covenant. They had the, the covenant with themselves. And their focus was, we're aiming to him. Then they said, no, we don't want that. We want a king. So the next phase is that there was this, this transition in world thinking. And the transition in world thinking said, it's not just about this covenant deal. We need to have a social contract with each other. This social contract can have God in it. It may be, I'll put a question mark, maybe God can be in it. But it's really between each other. We're going to take the triangle out of it. We're going to make it about each other. So I'm going to have a contract with you as a human being, and we're going to make the rules. Now, the rules can allow God to be in them, or they cannot, but that's our choice, and we can change the rules at any time. And so this social contract came into being because people didn't want to acknowledge God. So we see this in the socialistic state. The number one thing that they have to do is they have to remove God from the equation so that they can rule one another. We know that if, if you're like this and God is out of the equation, then one has to be on top of the other. So what happens is, is that when they take God out of a governmental system, then they have to be God. And so we see that in this social contract or socialism that somebody becomes God, and that is normally the state. So in this context of socialism, the state becomes God in everyone's life because God was forgotten. God was left alone. So the truth is, is that in, in this one, you can't change it because there is a higher power that has right and wrong figured out. In this one, everything is fluid. Everything can change. And if you disagree with the state, well... That's just horrible. The state, in socialism, the state knows the greatest good for your life. And they'll tell you about it very openly. It's gotten open more over the years. But um, that they're, they're just not hiding anymore. This is what they've always believed. It's just they're not hiding anymore. And then they'll come and say they're devout socialists. That's just great. But then there's, there's two different belief systems. The socialist believes that the state gives individual rights. And the God system that Israel was engaged in, the kingdom says that everybody gets individual rights from the king, God. Not an elected king. So the French Revolution happens, and this thought wasn't far enough. They didn't get enough power from this thought. So the French Revolution happens, and they decided to go a little further. And they said, obviously, now God is not even an option. It is no God. No higher power, no being to say that. That the state is everything. You get everything from the state, and on top of it, they own everything. And I know in the back, you can probably not read my scribbles, but that's okay. So the chaos happens because in this place, here and in here, there has to be one person in charge. There has to be a governmental structure. It never is a group of people. It always has to be one person. And they vie for what? Power. 
Now, a few weeks ago at the beginning of this series, we talked about the things that come with a kingdom. Power, influence, and authority. All of this is functioning on those levels, that basis that we did. So let me tell you a little history of socialism. In 1515, Nicola Machiavelli wrote a book, The Prince. Now, I'm just going to read you some quotes. We did have duct tape in the hallway for your head just when it tries to explode. Like, but, but it, yeah, forgot to tell you. His quotes say this, the ends justify the means. Everything is permissible. So where are we at in the scale? We're not on the left, I can tell you that. The politics have no relation to morals. And that people that go after the cause and push the calls are just useful idiots. So what does that mean? What did he mean by useful idiots? That's a harsh term, come on. It's the people that get paid to disrupt other people. Now I want to tell you a story about some useful idiots. There were brown shirts in Germany. Communism, Germany, brown shirts, we all know Hitler. So he paid them to go interrupt his opponent's speeches. And they would shout and they would scream and they would disrupt the speeches and everybody was in turmoil. And so then they went and they burnt buildings and they, they broke windows of, of Jewish people and they rioted in the streets and they stirred up because they had a righteous cause and they were being paid to go do it. And then when Hitler came into power, guess what happened? It was called the Night of Knives. Night of Long Knives, sorry. Night of Long Knives. And what happened was he had to show the people that he just became ruler over that he could have order. And so he ordered all the brown shirts to be killed so that he could prove that he was in power. And that is why they call them useful idiots. The other quote that he's famous for, and you've probably heard it in the last few years, never waste a crisis. Then there was this other man, and we touched on him, but I want to give some more quotes from him because the deeper I get into this, the more sinister it all is. George Wilhelm Hegel, he was a professor at the University of Berlin, and he said this, the state is God walking the earth. We must worship the state. All the worth which the human being possesses, he possesses only through and by the state. The state recognizes no authority but its own. And the state is the ultimate end. And he was the one that came up with this dialectic theory that we create a crisis that's really bad. And then we create a solution to the crisis that's only half as bad. And the people will accept the crisis that's half as bad because it's not as bad as the bad one. And it, does, it moves them off of their comfortability and takes them into where we want them to go. And the more crises we create, the more we can move the general populace toward what we want which ultimately is communism. The problem with socialism and everything that comes from it is that human nature is fundamentally flawed. Any human that runs that will flawed up. You can claim to be well-being, uh, looking out for the poor. You can claim to be looking at all that stuff, but ultimately it comes down to humans running the show, and it will always fail. British politician Lord Acton said this, power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. The search for all this stuff, because we take God out of the equation, the search is for power. That's it. There's no morals involved anymore. 
There's no higher power that we can be uh, subject to or, or carried forth. We have, to, we have to now rule ourselves. William Harrison in 1841 said, The love of power is a dominant passion like the love of gold. It becomes insatiable. Benjamin Franklin, 1787, says, There is scarce a king in a hundred who would not, if he could, follow the example of Pharaoh, who took power and ruled. So, we've jumped this week from this, this, what people would say is the light form of communism, socialism, we've now jumped to communism, which is the next step, which means you own nothing. You see, what they would do is they would come into a city, and if you, if you own something, if you, were, if you were a go-getter, and you started a business, and you had some money, and you owned some land, in socialism, you could function, but we're going to take out of your pot, and we're going to put it in everybody else's pot. I remember trying to explain this socialistic viewpoint to my kids, and I said, you guys get good grades. It's awesome. But next semester, what's going to happen is whatever your grade is, we're going to take it from you and we're going to give it to the one that didn't do the work. And they got pretty upset. Right? Why? Because it's not the kingdom way. The goal of socialism is communism. Vladimir Lenin. We're getting into all the history books here. There is no difference between communism and socialism except by its means. Communism possesses to... Purposes, sorry, to enslave men by force. Socialism by their vote. Ayn Rand. We should not be surprised. We can read it in scripture. We can just go throughout scripture and we can watch this cycle over and over and over. And then we get into modern history books and we can watch this cycle over and over and over. Jesus even talked about this. Jesus actually addressed this specifically. Turn with me to Matthew 24. There's a whole lot of good stuff to read in here. I'm going to pull out three verses, but I, they're in context. So you can read the whole chapter. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, verse 24, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And on the stage of history, there has never passed any such false Christ or false philosophy or false religion or has deceived as many as one-third of the world on the planet except for communism. Don't be deceived, everybody. The progression is slow. It's been a hundred-year plan. The outcome is decided by those in charge. And in our country, at least for now, you're in charge. You have a vote. The entire world is divided into two different kinds of systems. We have the East and the West. We have slaves and we have free. Those two worlds are, are judged by two people. The, the, when you look through history, you can look at the two worlds. The slave worlds of the country or of the globe are ones ruled by this thinking, that there is no God, that state is most powerful, and that the state owns everything and you're just privileged to be alive because you're benefiting us. And when your privilege of being alive 
when you're not benefiting us, we're going to take away your privilege to be alive. That's the thought process, and that's why most of the world, over 45 nations, have went from free nations to slave nations. The first step is to remove God. Each of these ideas, whether it be the kingdom of heaven or whether it be the communistic view of earth, each of them are argued every single day in your life. You can see it on your face. You can move throughout the country or not. They both changed the world with a philosophy of life. Karl Marx and Jesus Christ. They both had a philosophy of life. They both had understanding of what the future should hold for the people that follow them. And Jesus came to restore a government, not to bring us a religion. Let's remember that. He didn't come to bring us a time when we can just meet together and just have fun together. He brought back a government that we can execute upon the earth. And Karl Marx brought a government called communism. He wrote it in 1848. It's called the Communist Manifesto. He is followed by Lenin and then Stalin. There's some company. He claimed to stand for the working rights of the working man. He eliminated the middle-class business owners. He made the state like God. He ended religious liberty. He said, free public education for all. Why? Because you have to indoctrinate the children with your own thinking so that they don't rebel against you. He removed ownership of all private property. Now, what was his basis for thinking? He studied under Hegel, but let's drill down even further into what Marx was thinking. He got most of his religious beliefs, he got most of them from a guy named Darwin in the Darwinian theory. Darwin believed that we are just accidents of chance and that there is no morality or fundamental principle. It's all about power. Now, if that's the basis that you build everything else in your life on, you may have success for a while, but you will ultimately be a failure. Let's dig into the man just a little more. He realized, this is Karl Marx, he realized that he had to keep the people scared and dependent, living in fear. He, he terrified the people by doing this. He would say, there are people listening to your phone calls. And as they listen to your phone calls, they're going to be listening for what you have to say. And when you say something that would be against the government, we're going to come round you up. And just to keep you on your toes, we're just going to walk into a city someday and pull three or four people, yank them out, go kill them, and then you're going to realize that we mean business. Keep them living in fear. What else did he do to keep them under control? He began to starve them, keeping them weak so that they were dominated for their own good. Quote, because you are creating an equality-based society. One of the famines that he created in this led to over 5 million people dying. Now that's horrible. Everybody say that's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah, that's horrible. It gets even worse. Karl Marx allowed his four children to starve to death. Now, he was followed 
by another man who took everything that he had built and he took it even further. His name was Joseph Stalin. He decided to purge the world in 1936 to 38. He executed 1.2 million Communist Party members, government officials, military leaders, and any other person accused of being disloyal. He, believe, he is believed to have murdered 61 million people all by his command. 61 million people. And he was followed by another man who took all the stuff that we just described even further. And his name was Adolf Hitler. He began to establish socialism in Germany, the National Socialist Workers' Party, or the Nazi Party. He went after the same socialistic goals and applied the same socialistic methodologies to take over power. You see, he came in as a socialist. He left as a communist. He came in as a socialist. He left as a fascist. He came in as a socialist undercover to make everyone think that he really cared about who they were. He left as a fascist, and he was responsible for over 15 million murders. Now, what, who did he believe? What was his basis foundation for his structure of all the things that he created? Oh, yeah, social Darwinism. They believe that the weak have no value. For decades, the Western culture has been so against the extermination of the weak and yet we are at a tipping point where we are making laws currently in our nation's capital that exploit the weak. How can that be? How can it be that for decades people have said this has been the most horrible stuff that has ever happened on the earth and yet today we're making laws that devalue the weak? Because we've erased God from the triangle. Karl Marx said, communism begins where atheism begins. He said, my object is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. Do you realize that this communistic belief system has been spoken about in our capital with 45 tenants to the communistic manifesto? in which they say our goal is to remove children from their families, is to devalue the human uh, marriage, it's to do all that stuff. And we have people walking around that are leading us today be saying all of this stuff, yeah. believing all of this, in fact, openly saying all of this. Yeah. And yet we sit back and say, what can we do? There are some things that Christianity differs from communism. The state, Christianity believes that the state is to be the servant of man. The government exists to protect you. That's it. Not to take care of you, not to make your life all nice, to protect you from enemies both foreign and domestic. Communism believes that man is a slave to the state. Now, this goes in direct contrast to the kingdom of God, which says that we are free individuals. And we get our rights from a creator. And we have understanding that those rights 
can never be taken away by a man. And the reason why that God is removed from everything that you see is because if they allow you to believe that God gives you their rights, then they cannot take them away. But if you believe that the state gives you the rights, then they can remove them. Christianity also believes that only God is omnipotent and all-powerful. Communists believe that the state is omnipotent and all-powerful. It's funny how they're, you know, you read the About Us page on a website, and you can read this very clearly. The family unit is the center of society. The kingdom of God would say that the original form of government that, that God brought upon the earth was the family. And he said, that should model my kingdom, the family. Why do you think the family is under attack in this nation around the world? If they can destroy family, then Christians and those who believe in God have lost the foundational principle of the kingdom of heaven. And so that's why families are so attacked. Communists believe that if we destroy the enslavement of the family unit to property and to possession, and to just say we love the children, we will, we will have enslaved loyalty to the state. Christianity believes that the law of love and unification for all mankind. Communism believes in class warfare, division of people, and of nations. If you go back to Acts and you read about this story where the two kingdoms clashed, I think it's very interesting that as you read through that scripture, we see that Peter and John were walking with a different understanding of a different kingdom. They, they walked around knowing that they possessed something. It says, we don't have silver or gold, but there is something we have that you need. And it wasn't just healing. It was there's a kingdom that we're going to release to you. And you can partake of what you want. But we're giving you this government which says that the things that are wrong in your body need to come around and be right. And what came out of it? Joy. He ran around the temple shouting, jumping. He was healed. And you know what? I've never read a story in history that I remember where all these other things like socialism and communism have led to people running around and being joyful after a period of time. Now you may say, pastor, now come on. And our guests are saying, what is this pastor doing? <laughs> Welcome. I believe that we are, in fact, let me just read the quote. That's good. A government from the people and for the people has to consist of three things. The people have to be educated. The people have to be moral. And they have to participate. The documents of this country were based on those three realizations that every voter, every person living in this republic would be educated. They would be a moral people they will have some compass of morality because God is number one in their triangle. And that they would do something. That they would participate. I look around this world 
I look around our country, I look at the, the back and the forth. C.S. Lewis said it this way, I am very doubtful whether history shows us one example of a man who, having stepped outside traditional morality and attained power, has used that power benevolently. And throughout history we have seen where the church has been silent, where we haven't been educated on things, where we haven't had a moral compass. We've left that to somebody else to decide. And we haven't participated because we thought that those things that are outside the walls of our church shouldn't affect us. Well, I'm telling you today that if you don't get involved in those things outside the church, they'll be in here before you know it. We're already witnessing it all around our country and all around the world. I'm going to read this one twice, so let it sink in. William Federer said this, It took the sacrifice of millions of courageous, of allied lives to stop what the German church leaders refused to because they were silent and taught church members it was more spiritual not to be involved in politics. I'm going to read it one more time. It took the sacrifice of millions of courageous, allied lives to stop what ger- the German church leaders refused to because they were silent and taught church members it was more spiritual not to be involved in politics. And that vow of piety led to millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of murders. Now you can be mad at me because I'm the deliverer of this, but I'm telling you, that it's not just that the church has been silent and we haven't been walking through Walmart healing people. That's not the problem. It is a problem, it's not the problem. Number two, it's not that we haven't understood maybe sometimes what's happening. I know that some of you, even watching, some of you have felt this in your gut for 40 years. That things are slipping out of your hands, that God is being removed and you don't know what to do. That's not even the problem. It is a problem, but not the problem. The problem that we're all facing has nothing to do with that stuff on the surface. The root of the problem is we don't understand that the kingdom of God is here to rule and reign on this earth as it was stated in Genesis. And today we can get caught up in political parties and political nonsense, but What it shows is that when we get involved in that stuff and we're so passionate about it and everybody's wrong who doesn't believe the way that we believe, let's just go back to the the founding document. Let's go back to the constitution of our lives, which says that there's a kingdom and we're here to execute the rule of a king, a king that has the ultimate authority. He's the creator of all. He will be returning to redeem it all instead of worrying about all this stuff. Now, I'm telling you, I will vote I will do it, I will stop, I'll do all of it. But if that overtakes what the word says we're called to do, then we're all mistaken. And we've not only, we've not only maybe lost some election that you may be worried about, we've lost the core value of what it means to be a believer. If we can't function together with people that don't believe the same way we do, then we don't have the heart of Christ. Now, I believe strongly, as you've heard, what I believe. But I will sit and talk to anyone, and I will welcome them. And I will say, listen, 
this is why I believe what I believe. And I truly, I truly believe this. I've had conversations with people that don't believe the way that I do. And when we get down to the core passion of the argument, truth always wins. Truth always wins. When you look at the world outside that's falling apart, it's not falling apart because there's just evil in the world. It's falling apart because good men are doing nothing. When 30 million Christians don't vote, look what you get. It's a privilege to vote. It is an honor to get to have a voice. Even if your voice doesn't win in the end, it's totally a great thing that you get to vote. And yet 30 million believers didn't even cast a ballot. How? How? This is the form of government that we've been given. Thank the Lord that we live in a free country for now. It won't be if we don't do our civic duty and cast a vote. I remember this old man that used to eat breakfast with all the time. And he said, "Ah, if you don't vote, then you can't complain. I said, well, you shouldn't complain anyway. It's not healthy for your body. But my concern is, is that we are in danger of losing, like those other 45 and growing countries, we're in danger of losing the freedom to even be in this room. We're in danger of losing the right to have a family and raise them the way that we want. We're in danger of not being able to travel. Oh, that's already happening. Not being able to travel across state lines. That's already happening. If you didn't know that, you can... Yeah, just come ask us. We'll tell you. <laughs> How in the world can a, can a state government... This is... Sorry. We may edit this out. Ah, oh, no. Leave it in. How in the world can a state government lock you in a hotel room if you enter their state for 14 days without letting you leave to do anything? They seal your door. How can that be? How can a state government come against your personal freedom to move about a country... I don't know. All I know is we're going faster that way than what we can imagine. And if we don't stand up and do what we're called to do, and that is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, I am declaring that this church, this church will be seeing Acts 3, 1 through 11 happen in your lives. I'm not just believing it for the pastor. I'm believing it for each one of you. That when you walk into a place that they feel the kingdom of heaven within you and they say, yeah, I want some of that. I don't even know what that is. Well, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Rise up and walk. There is, a, there is a kingdom that I want to release to you today. So we walk around this city. We walk around this county. We walk around this planet. We walk around with the kingdom of heaven within us. And all God is saying is, who's going to be obedient to hear my voice and release what I've given to you? The other alternative is to continue with the status quo and lose everything that you hold dear. This piety movement stated this in Germany. And this piety movement, by the way, is what kept the church silent through Hitler's regime. As a result of the piety movement, the church remained silent as Hitler's regime progressed when it should have been speaking out. 
The belief was politics isn't for us to be involved in. And the church shouldn't make any statements on politics until eventually the regime had so much power that if they did speak out, they would do so at the jeopardy of their own lives. Ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you today and say we are in danger of walking that path. Fast. It's time to rise up. It's time to wake up. We have politicians that openly say that they're socialists. We have politicians that are openly saying at every level of government that they're Marxist. Marxist. That means that they're availing their loyalty, their Messiah is Marx, who killed his four children. The church should be expressing its loyalty to the king of kings. And there are some things we need to do on this earth But more than that, we have to fall in love with the king who is the creator of the universe who says, I want you to hear me and everything that I've put into you, I want it released into the earth so that there would be transformation all around. Church, are we awake to see what God wants us to do in this hour? It is all those things. He wants us to walk and release his kingdom. He wants us to do our civic duty in whatever country we're in, but he wants us to understand that the kingdoms of this world are not to be attached to or, uh, or assigned or aligned with. That we should just align ourselves with the kingdom of heaven and watch him work through us to see transformation. I heard a statement the other day from a prominent person who said, When a socialist gets their rightful seat in the White House, then all of you who stood against us are our number one enemy. It is time to take off the visor, take off the blinders. It is time to get in our word and know more about what he says than what they say. And it's time for revival to come to us. We have to be thankful that we've grown up in this country. We have to be thankful that we can worship as we please. There are some of our brothers and sisters even in this country that can't do that this morning. We have to be thankful for everything that comes from God. Would you stand with me? time for us to be educated that's what some of this is all about some of this last week I heard from some of you that said I never knew that I never understood that well hopefully we're educated the morality part comes from knowing a king and saying I ascribe all worth to you I worship you I see transformation and I want to see you move in my life And the third one, which I think has been taken for granted, is the right to participate. Participate in the revival of the person sitting next to you. So many times we come into a building, we come into a a cubicle at work, we come into those places and we don't actually value what that person is going through. The restoration 
the revival of the person standing next to you can happen. It can happen. Speak into it. It's amazing that our dream board has been out there for weeks and weeks and months and every week there's something on that dream board that comes true. Something on that dream board that moves forward. Something on that dream board. And you know what? The personal dream of mine is that every person in here has a revival with Jesus. And that every person in here goes deeper with him than they've ever been before. And that the shackles of shame and guilt and oppression fall off of you. My other dream is that the trappings of this world would not affect you. They would not distract you. That you would be focused on being a kingdom agent of change in your community. A kingdom agent of change in your house. A kingdom agent of change at your workplace. That's what he wants. He wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Put off the old, put on the new, and renew your mind so that you can walk as a kingdom specialist on the planet. But it comes through a personal revelation of who he is. As the girls sing, I just want you to take a minute. I want you to ask God a little activation here. Ask him where you've been flawed in your thinking. Ask him where you need to change something. He'll do it right now. He'll speak to you. He's active right now, moving in this place. Come and consume me. My heart is ready. God, if I burn, I'll burn. Without reservation, God, if I burn, I'll burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. I want what you desire. I'm gonna burn for you. Fresh fire, fresh, fresh fire.
send an awakening to this country send an awakening to this church send an awakening to this region that the fire would burn so bright in your believers that all darkness would have to flee Lord as we walk in as your fire into situations this week may all may all darkness flee may we see miracles May we see people transformed by your power. We give you this day, this week, in Jesus' name, amen.